Kansas City Community Radio, streaming online at www.kkfi.org. The views and opinions of this program are those of its host and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of 90.1 FM, KKFI, Midcoast Radio Project, or its staff and volunteers. My story, sad story now. Still waiting for the truth to be told now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It won't be long now, now. Won't be long. Heard the news, heard your rivers all run dry. And on TV, I see missiles in your sky. Word is out. Loud whispering, going on. Oh, angels turn mercenaries, coming ten thousand strong. Oh, 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 Sign reads now from 
90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. This is Urban Connections. I'm your host, Donna Mara Wolf. Our co-host, Karen E. Griffin, is here in the studio with me once again. Yeah, I'm wore out, but I'm here. Uh, well, it's okay. It is. We tired today. Half the folks, half the people listening are tired today. And, I think it's the uh, weather. It's the weather. It is gloomy today. I know. Um, you know, I could have. Could use some jazz in a fireplace I could have. Right you know, exactly. <laughs> I could have left those green shades drawn in my room. <laughs> it looked like it was still night. So, I um, like, This is weather for snoozing. It is. And if you can, then more power to you. Yes. Uh, May Snoozing creation love you. Longevity wine. Now stop. <laughs> Honestly, saying. no, we can't be specific like that. You know what I'm saying? Because um, we are oh, yeah. not partial. That's right. right? Okay. Snoozing. But uh, anyway, I see our guests out there. Oh, and okay. uh, so if you would please go down and uh, get him while I keep talking to the people here. At 90.1 FM KKFI, this is Kansas City's Community Radio, and our guest today is the former mayor of Kansas City, Missouri, Sly James, and um, he graciously accepted our invitation uh, to come and be on our program today. And uh, check out uh, the bio uh, online. I, I posted this episode. You can go to KKFI dot. O-R-G, to see weekly uh, what we post, um, episodes talking about uh, our guests. Uh, Sylvester Sly James Jr. served as mayor of Kansas City, Missouri from 2011 to 2019. Uh, during his tenure, uh, Kansas City enjoyed a renaissance, boasting nationally recognized successes in modern transportation development, from a new streetcar to a new single terminal airport, uh, he started third grade reading initiatives, a smart city technology deployment, and adoption of a 20-year infrastructure repair program. Sly James served on the advisory board of the U.S. Conference of Mayors and is a past president of the National Conference of Democratic Mayors and the African American Mayors Association. Before holding the mayoral office, Sly James practiced as a trial attorney with trial uh, litigation and mediation experience as both a defense and a plaintiff's attorney. Um, he did that for like 30 years, and he was the first African-American associate and partner in the Blackwell, Sanders, Matheny, Weary, and Lombardi law firm. Hi there, Mayor James. Hello. I want to welcome you to Urban Connections. I was just sharing your bio that I posted uh, online uh, with our listeners. 
Uh, Sly James was born and raised in Kansas City on the city's east side, and he graduated from Bishop Hogan High School in Kansas City in 1969. After serving his country as a military police officer in the Marines from 1971 to 1975 in California, the Philippines, and Japan during the Vietnam War, Mayor James graduated cum laude from Rockers College with a B.A. in English. He then went on to earn his law degree, also cum laude, from the University of Minnesota in 1983. And thank you so much for joining us here today. Good to be here. <laughs> it's great to have you with us uh, once again. Um you know, I don't. I think you're probably the first person that I've met that's graduated cum laude from anything for from anywhere, uh, and you did that both at Rockhurst College and at uh, the University of uh, Minnesota when you earned your law degree. How does one achieve? <laughs> <laughs> so, did you set out to be cum laude? No, 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 no. I um, uh, school was emphasized at our house. Mm. Grades were emphasized at our house. Uh, so I learned at an early age that grades were important. And mm-hmm. frankly, I enjoyed school. So mm-hmm. the two things kind of combined, and they were fine. Plus, at Rockhurst, one of the things that's nice about knowing that you're going to go to law school mm-hmm. is you can take an undergrad undergrad's, uh, major in anything. Mm-hmm. I like to read, so English made sense. Okay. All right? So uh, when you're doing stuff that you like, you're going to do better. It's really a matter of grade point averages. That's it. Okay, grade well, point averaging and intention, right? Well, yeah. Sometimes it went a little crazy. When I, I went to law school up at Syracuse, there's me and a uh, uh, an Irish wolfhound that took up most of my studio apartment. Um, and, yeah, it was kind of silly, frankly. But wow. it was nice to have him because at that time I never even had a phone. There was no phone. I'd go down the corner and make a, phone, a call. That's what dropping a dime is. Yeah. I, I, people keep saying dropping a dime in football, but they're so wrong. Yeah, go right. ahead. <laughs> so, so I decided that I really wanted to do well in law school because I knew that would give me the most options. So I made up this chart that I wasn't going to do anything on the weekends that was fun and lessen until I met the study goals. So I did that for a semester and almost drove me crazy. Wow. So I stopped doing that in the second semester and just started having fun and studying like I used to. I came out with the same grade point average. Hmm. So, you know, it was kind of like all that artificial stuff didn't really help. It kind of hurt. Um, but at the end of the day, I enjoyed school, loved reading. That's wonderful, and that's something that your parents instilled in you. And you've done a lot of work about reading and and improving uh, children's ability to read here in uh, here in Kansas City. Can yeah. you talk about that a little bit? Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, this might be a long story, but I, I remember so. when I was uh, uh, 2011, my first uh, U.S. Conference of Mayors meeting in Baltimore. Met, uh, other than President Obama, met a man, Ralph Smith, from the Annie Casey Foundation, who sat down with me for an hour or two and talked to me about the importance of third grade reading. Mm. And walking away from that conversation, I was like, I had no idea. But it is absolutely critical to young people, particularly black and brown people, poor people, uh, about third grade reading proficiency. Because here's what happens. At the age of three... Poor people, black and brown people, generally tend to be 30 million words or so behind 
their white counterparts, okay? If you're that far behind, that means you're not hearing words, you're not, nobody's talking to you, doing the things that are necessary to make your brain grow. So you reach kindergarten at the age of five with nothing between three and five, and you're two years behind your classmates. And then that means you won't read proficiently at third grade, and that means that because you're learning to read up to third grade and from third grade on you're reading to learn, and once you're not reading to learn, then you're not learning and you fall further and further behind, and that's the whole basis of the school-to-prison pipeline. Mm-hmm. So if we want to short-circuit that, we need to get the kids early as possible for reading. We really should be having pre-K for every kid, mm-hmm. quality pre-K, mm-hmm. not just stash your kid in front of a TV pre-K, but quality pre-K for every single kid in this community, period, end of story. It should not even be negotiable. No, no. But we don't. And so we constantly lose kids to the same old cycle. Yeah. You know, we, we want to stop crime. But you can't stop crime after crime has happened. If you want to stop crime, you've got to do something to prevent it from happening. Mm-hmm. In order to prevent it from happening, there has to be some sort of equity liberation in the access to the things that are necessary to grow your life without crime. Mm-hmm. And we don't have that. So um, that's why it's important. Okay. So um, what, what have you been doing since you were yeah. uh, mayor? Um, Sly James? Well, I have a lot of t- fun making fun of my grandkids. Um, but are, you, are they making fun of you? you? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially Race. He, he's, uh, Race is 12 and, oh, yeah. and, and thinks, he's, thinks he's all that. Or is he dressing up and putting on a bow tie? Uh, he's, he's a good-looking kid. He knows it and he, he plays it off. Uh, and Gray is just a little ball dervish genius type kid Mm. and then the two youngers are one in five months so they don't do anything except the five month old i keep telling my daughter the child is absolutely bald has no hair after five (laughs) months so i'm getting her a wig for christmas (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm glad you're laughing i'm not sure my daughter my daughter will i know she probably (laughs) doesn't uh, appreciate that yeah yeah, she's she's cool about it um and then uh working with joni my uh, former chief of staff and i are partners in wickham james and we do a lot of public policy consulting work Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of things that we like doing from the time that we spent in office Uh, you know joni was really very instrumental in, in public relations on the medicaid expansion that went through and we're working on some things regarding um, uh, uh, paid family leave and those types of things. Mm. Uh, then we have a project, project at Harvard called PMI, which is Project on Municipal Innovation. We meet with the city manager, or not city managers, chiefs of staffs from 40 large cities across the country uh, twice a year at Harvard and talk about things that you can do in government, issues that are going on in government, sharing information, learning about stuff. Uh, mediations. I still do a lot of mediation. We do a lot of different things, a lot of public relations work, a lot of public policy work, consulting, or communications, a lot of communications. Do you miss being a mayor yeah. of no. Kansas City? No? No. How come? What was your favorite part of being mayor, yeah, and what was your least favorite part of being mayor? The schedule was my least favorite part. Um It was unrelenting. You could literally do something 24 hours a day, every day of the week, Mm -hmm. if you responded to every request and did everything that everybody asked. My favorite thing that somebody asked me was when I first started. I got a request to 
come to this kid's t-ball game and throw out the first pitch. Uh-huh. And I said, hmm. first of all, how do you throw out a pitch at a <laughs> For t-ball, t-ball game? That's, that's an oxymoron. Secondly, do you know how many t-ball teams there are in this city? If I do it for one, I, yeah. No, so <laughs> thank you very t-ball. much, but oh. no. Wow. Um, so Maybe the, the first catch. The schedule, first was, the schedule was already lending. The favorite part overall uh, was the – sense that we were getting things done that mattered. That was what was the most favorite part. And the sense that the attitude in the city changed from, you know, the Funkhauser, uh, you know, not recession years were Mm -hmm. not times when people in the city seemed to be happy. They felt like they were being assaulted by negative things on today's show from mayor's wife and things of that yeah, nature. I remember. My mother called from Las Vegas and said, what the hell is going on in Kansas City? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, the discrimination lawsuits and all yeah. those things that were filed. Uh, plus, the economy wasn't doing anything and nothing was happening in the city. Mm. So, it was nice to see all of that change. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So, what is, what is your proudest accomplishment as mayor of Kansas City? Um, still to this day, it's turned to page KC, mm. you know, because that, that really is an impactful thing and it actually has impacts on kids' lives. Uh, you know, I'm, I like all the things we were able to build, the airport and the hotel and streetcar and infrastructure and all those things are great. I'm glad we got them done and I think it really mattered to get them done, but this was something that really, I think, has an impact on a lot of kids' lives and gives them a shot that they may not have had in some instances. And that's the thing about the 30 million words that some it's, kids It's a third-grade reading initiative. Third-grade mm-hmm. reading initiative. Yeah. How does even, I don't know, 30 million is a lot of words. Yeah, it is. But one one absorbs them over time because you're sure. reading and you're engaging. And, and you're exposed and, and to and words. And you're exposed to words. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's... You, somebody might not be talking to you, but there are people talking around you, yeah. and kids are soaking up things. Babies soak up information. Mm-hmm. They don't just, you know, they don't grow linearly. Their their minds are exploding. By, by the time they're three, their brains are 97% developed. They're mm-hmm. ready to roll. What goes in to those brains in that early time is critical. Mm-hmm. And if nothing's going in there, then somehow or another, you're falling behind the other kids where stuff is going in. I mean, it's just that simple. Mm-hmm. And then it depends on what's going in as uh, absolutely as mm-hmm. well. So. Absolutely, you don't need trauma. Should not be in there, you know. Right. Gunfire shouldn't be in there. Hunger shouldn't be in there. All those things shouldn't be in there. But again, in order to stop those things from happening down the line, mm-hmm. you've got to start now. Mm-hmm. We've we've known about crime forever. We've known what causes crime forever. We haven't made a dent in any of those things. And one of the things that we haven't done is we have not spent enough time, energy, and money on the front end. We always want to attack an illness after you're in the hospital. Mm-hmm. We don't want you to be preventative, except for COVID. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden it was like, you got to do this. Yeah, well, that was way, way late, too. But, you know, what? what's going on with our government's political will to do the right thing. Why? It, it seems to me that there is no positive political will. 
uh, on which levels? All yes. levels. All levels. I don't think that's true on the local level, and I'll tell you why. But okay. on the federal and the state level, absolutely. And it's because it's partisan. It's because it's two parties battling it out for supremacy. It's about people who do anything, say anything, or pass anything as long as it helps them get reelected. Mm. If, it's, if it's something that's not going to help them get reelected, then it doesn't get the full treatment. It's just as simple. The reason I don't believe that's true on the local level is because the local level is really more of a function of delivering services and dealing with the stuff that the federal and the state government toss down to us, and you got no choice. Plus, you've got the overlay on the local government of not being able to print your own money. Yeah. Okay, So you're relying on taxes, and taxpayers seem to think that government should be something other than grocery stores, car dealerships, closed stores, or any place else. Prices go up everywhere. So if you're getting the same amount of taxes and the prices for what you have to pay to, in order to deliver services is going up, mm-hmm. then either something's not going to get done, not going to get done as soon as it should, or not going to get done at all or it's going to get done in some different way. So that's where innovation comes in. You have to find ways to innovate. And one of the nice things on the local level that does not occur on the state and the federal level to this extent is mayors on the local level talk to each other all the time. doesn't matter whether you're Republican or Democrat. you got an idea how I can stop the murders in my town? I want to hear it, okay? And we shared information. I called up mayors all the time, called up Republican mayors in Dallas, called up... Uh, Democratic mayors in Philly, Democratic mayors in Louisville, wherever. And we all shared information because we all have the same problems and we're all, to some extent, victims of our state and federal governments. Those people are crazy. Yeah. You don't see the kind of crap coming out of local governments coming out of the state of Missouri's legislature or the federal government. Some local governments are pretty crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there are some. Nothing's 100%. (laughs) Yeah, true. But local government has a different function, and also local government is much more accountable than state and federal government. People get voted out of office on the local level all the time. You don't vote many people out on the state government because they've gerrymandered it for one. And in the federal, for whatever reason, it's like we hate every other legislator except our legislator. (laughs) And everybody feels that way about their own legislator. So what do you – have you thought of any remedies for – uh, our our country politically, you know, nationally and on the state level. Do, do you have any ideas? Are you frustrated by the state of things these days? And it seems like we can't get anything done. I don't care where it is. Everything starts with leadership. There's so many things that could have been done and should have been done. There's a reason why they haven't been done. It's because the people who are in charge of doing those things know that in doing so, it's not in their best interest. Mm. You know, so nobody's example, got any integrity. How many people How many people go into Congress, you know, with $100,000 of assets and walk out with $100 million? Because they have no rules against insider trading in Congress. Mm-hmm. So that benefits them. And as long as you're there, you have access to the information. One Another reason. Plus, people will always bow and scrape for you when, you know, Senator, come on in, yes. Uh, you people, you got to get up out of this booth. Senators here, mm-hmm. okay. So, uh, so would you ever run for Congress? No, <laughs> governor, just straight up. Nope. Why? Why not? Why not? 
couple of reasons. Number one, I'd be the 72-year-old junior member of Congress from the state of Missouri. By the time I was able to do anything in terms of the leadership position, mm -hmm. I'd be dead. <laughs> Second, I'm not a legislator. That was never my role. The same question was asked like, hey, would you run for, why don't you run for city council instead of mayor? Because I would be a crummy city council person. I'm not a legislator. I like ideas. I like implementations. I like processes. I like agendas. And I like finding ways to meet them. And I like having the control to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. That's not in council or the Congress or the Senate. Mm -hmm. um, plus, I would be a crummy politician. Cause, Why? Because there's too many times when I would just say the wrong thing. Oh. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, you don't go along to get along and all that I, kind of stuff. Is I, that it? I just don't think, you know, it's Can not my right? bag. You yeah. know, I, it's just not. There's only so much nonsense I can put up with, mm -hmm. and I don't like negative people. And I, I just don't. So, no, that wouldn't be something I'd want to do. Plus, I also I also would not want to visit all that crap on my family. Ah, mm. so that is a well, well. Was it stressful for your family when you were mayor? Do you think sometimes? Yeah, sometimes. Mm. Sometimes, particularly during the political times when it was more beneficial to certain people to want to find anything negative that they could. Yeah. But by and large, it wasn't too bad on them, except for all the time away. Uh, the needs for them to be in the presence of security sometimes, hearing things that they probably wouldn't have heard mm -hmm. were not in office. Um, they were pretty good about not using it to their advantage or anything because, frankly, they didn't want people to know because mm -hmm. they always acted different once they found out uh, yeah. one way or the other. That can be a thing. So, no, uh, besides that, I know from having been in and now having been out that you can get just as much done outside mm -hmm. as you can inside, especially if you've been inside at least a little bit. They have some idea of where the levers are and what the processes are. I like the freedom of being able to do stuff without some reporter from someplace wanting to ask me every question in the world <laughs> about it so they can write up an article to swing opinion. One way or the other. Yeah, that's not... You know, it's it's easier to get things done when you're when you have a method and you can do it quietly without ruffling a whole bunch of feathers. Yeah, there's yeah. that thing. Sort of brings to mind Jimmy Carter mm -hmm. and his yeah. pr short presidency. Yeah, and um, too short, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and how much he was able to accomplish. Yeah. after he was president of the United mm -hmm. States. Yeah, he had effect worldwide. That's exactly right. Yeah, you know, there are restraints on you when you're in a position like that. Uh, and to some extent, it forces you not to think too far outside the box. Mm -hmm. But when you aren't, don't have that, you can think about things that aren't traditional or the way we've always done it and ask why not, maybe mm -hmm. do something about it. But when you're in there, you're constrained by whatever legislative body you're working with, whatever the tax dollars are you're working with, whatever the unions are you're working with, and all that stuff. All that stuff. You know, and sometimes it just gets in the way. It's You have to have it when you're in government and able to move the ball, but sometimes it just gets in the way. Yeah. 
So not a legislator. No. I don't think people generally understood the difference between a legislator, or the legislative body in, of the city, which is the city council, yes, yeah. mm-hmm. and the mayor. And so is is the city manager in between? Uh, what is that function all City about? manager in our form of government is key. Um, they get things done. Mm-hmm. City manager has the responsibility over the entire administration of the city. Okay. Okay. So if it's the water department, general services, uh, power, or not power light, uh, all the other departments there, accounting, finance, whatever it is, they're the responsible party for making the hires there and the firings and making sure they run efficiently. Mm-hmm. Council is responsible for passing legislation, evaluating projects, et cetera, et cetera. And the mayor is the executive that's responsible for supposedly bringing those things together, but also pushing an agenda and moving things forward and being the public and outward-facing part of it. And where does that agenda come from, that the mayor? The agenda should come from your constituents and should come from having conversations with them and determining what's there. But we used a lot of facts and data. From two years before running, I knew that uh, I'd been talking to people and I knew that there were four things that were important to them. One was crime. Uh, one was education, uh, one was uh, the, the economy, and the other was um, uh, governmental efficiency. So that was our agenda, four E's. Mm. And we ran on that, we used that, we incorporated that, we built data around those things and we pushed it. Plus then you had the citizen satisfaction survey that we used that stuff in order to determine where to allocate things, and that's why we got the $800 million infrastructure bond passed. Okay. That is pretty awesome. Eight hundred million dollars is almost a billion. We wanted, a, I wanted a billion, but the rating agency said you must be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, thanks for letting us know about that, and thanks for sharing um, how a, a little bit about how our government uh, works. And I think it's something that um, people are sort of complacent about and don't really think about. <laughs> complacent? <laughs> so, yeah. It, what was the last uh, vote tally? Thirteen percent. Something mm-hmm. like that. That's not complacent. That's uh, embarrassing. Apathetic, embarrassing. Yeah. That's embarrassing. Yeah. That's okay. embarrassing. All right, I'll yeah. give you that. we got to take a break right now and we come back. We will continue our conversation with Sylvester Sly James, <laughs> <laughs> former mayor of the city of Kansas City, Missouri. You're tuned to 90.1 FM KKFI. Kansas City Community Radio. This is Urban Connections, and we'll be back after these messages. Tune in to Economics for the People every fourth Thursday at 7 p.m. It's a show about people and communities, economics, life, and livelihoods, about diverse voices and economic experiences. Join us on a collective journey to shape and reimagine an economy that prioritizes people over profit. Economics for the People, every fourth Thursday at 7 p.m. Give the gift they will talk about for years to come. A KKFI Guest DJ Certificate. A one-time donation of $200 or a monthly sustaining donation of $16.67 will get your loved one an hour to share their musical taste on the local music program of their choice. A board operator will be provided. 
They will even get a recording of their DJ experience. Go to kkfi.org and click on the donation button or call 816-931-3122 for more information. The sun is rising, most definitely, a new day is coming. 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. That was Crystal Blue Persuasion from back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's such a positive <laughs> message mm-hmm. and nice vibration, especially for a dank and dreary day yeah, <laughs> such as it's a, it's a beautiful day is every day's alive or it's a beautiful day yeah absolutely so i wanted to ask you this uh mayor james um what did you learn about kansas city that really surprised you when you were mayor that you didn't necessarily realize before you had that experience wow that's tough um I think one thing was how deep and how subtle some of the that, this is a negative I'll give you a positive okay how deep and how subtle some of the divisions are mm-hmm. okay um, on the positive side the this not visibility but coming into contact with more people who had gotten over those barriers than I would have expected. Mm. You know, uh, so on the one hand, they're deep, but there's a lot of people who have, for whatever reason, in whatever way, overcome them and managed to get past it. Um, The other thing that I learned was that this city, when it can get its Mm -hmm. head pointed in the same direction, can do a lot of things. But getting our heads pointed in the same direction is a monumental task. Yeah, that's... It's a monumental task. But once we can, once we do, we get things done. But, you know, there's so many people who won't follow an idea through conclusion unless it's their idea. Mm -hmm. You know, that's... hmm. Uh-huh. That doesn't that doesn't get people very far because everybody's got an idea, and if everybody thought that, everybody just bump into each other and go nowhere. Right, but which is maybe those, what's happening. I'd say those were the things. You know, it's a complicated city. This city is really very intertwined with each other, um, interdependent, but very different. But a lot of good stuff goes on here, but a lot of things that have been here forever are still here. Yeah. 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 And there's been no change. Right. If I have a question for you. If there was yeah. now that you're on the outside looking in, mm-hmm. if there was one thing that you feel that you can change or improve, what would that be and why? Hmm. 
you know, we had 18 elections when we were in office. We were 16 and 2. I don't always remember the ones that we won, but I remember the two that we lost. The last one that we lost still bothers me. And and I'll go back to another old rant that I have. It's about pre-K. Universal pre-K for every kid in this city would be the best thing that we could do for the future of this city, in my opinion. Yeah. You'd have, it, we had a plan where we could have gotten very close to that and over time actually succeeded in making sure that every single child, not just at the age of four, but even reaching down to the age of three, had quality pre-K education. Denver's done it. Denver's been doing it for years. Mm -hmm. They swear by it. Latino kids, black kids, white kids, all kids get the quality early education at the age of three. And how is it paid for? Which seems to be the biggest question. There's only one way those things get paid for, yeah. and that's a lot of it is taxes. Tax. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is grants from federal governments and things of that nature, and then there is philanthropy. Mm -hmm. it, you know, there's got to be public-private partnerships to get these things done. It, this issue is too big for any one of those groups to do by itself. Everybody's need to buy in because it's in everybody's interest if they do. You know, think about think about the fact that by 2030, AI will have replaced mm. 80 million jobs. Mm. 80 million. All right, that's the bad side. On the other side, it will have created 100 million opportunities. Mm -hmm. The problem is. Who's got the skills to fill those opportunities? Exactly. Right. They're having a hard time finding people find with the skills to fill the stuff that we're doing now. Mm -hmm. Our population is getting older, not younger. So we're going to be top-heavy. More old people with less young people. How is Social Security supported? By people working and paying taxes. If there's fewer of them paying taxes and working, for the m more people that are going to be drawing down on it, how the heck's that going to work? Mm -hmm. And that also includes the medical care. So all those things are related. But if we're not looking to train our kids for something 20 years down the road and just want to make sure that they pass the test to get into college, if that's what our goal is, then we're shooting too low. We have to do better about educating our kids, and that means we cannot afford to leave black kids, brown kids, poor kids sitting on the sideline like they have been. So... That's the thing that I would change. There would be universal, affordable, high-quality child care for every single child in this city, period. And it seems like a no-brainer to me. It should, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about wisdom and experience and, and your philosophy, if you will. Which begets which? Is, does, 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 does experience teach wisdom or how does that hold how if, do you see that if experience taught wisdom then those who experienced <laughs> a whole wisdom. bunch of bad stuff would stop <laughs> doing the bad stuff okay mm -hmm. so experience is really a matter of opportunities um, meeting circumstances and out of each of those comes an experience wisdom comes in how you interpret those experiences and how you use what you interpret from those experiences whether you're using it for something that's going to be bring about a positive result or a negative result, but that's where the wisdom part comes in, and that's that's attitudinal. 
you know, wisdom is about attitudes and experiences are about doing things, having experiences. Um, so I don't know which comes first or which begets the other, uh, but they're not always found in the same place. <laughs> or come from the same source. Or come from the same source. Right, it's got to have two different sources. Do you have uh, other favorite cities other than Kansas City? What cities do you like? Um, or that strike you as being effective, effectively serving uh, its citizens? Ooh, that's different. Um, hmm. I think um, uh, Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they do a pretty good job there. Um, let's see if some others. Now, as leadership changes, things change. But I know Fort Always. Worth has had Fort Worth has had good quality leadership for an extended period. In education, uh, Louisville, Kentucky, to some extent, with Greg down there, uh, they did some really good stuff. Really, I think made some inroads with uh, with bringing the city together on a lot of things. Um, let's see. Let's. Uh, Denver's done some good stuff. I have to give Denver credit. Providence, Rhode Island. Interesting. Yeah, uh, you know, a, a city that you wouldn't think of as having issues, but has issues and dealt with them in some imaginative ways. Um, hmm. Cool. Minneapolis, to some extent. I'm not sure what's going on with some of the recent things in Minneapolis, and their government is kind of weird now, but Minneapolis has always been a city I liked a lot. You went to law school there. Went to law school there, got a chance to work in it a little bit, see what's going on, still know people there, see what's happened since I was there. They, you know, <laughs> they've uh, redone that city. Hmm. You Interesting. Know. Um, would you advise law as a profession or a career to anybody who's, you know, expressing interest and what makes for you success at law school and beyond? Um, yeah, I think law is a great profession if you're doing it for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. um, and if you understand that the law is a service business, not a money business, you know, you're serving clients. That's what all lawyers do. Lawyers without clients are law students. Uh. <laughs> Thanks for clearing that up. But when you see the commercial, it's always about the money. Of course yeah. it is. And now it's like these little dumb commercials, like, I got this little check. And I'm like, really? Are we really? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's always about the money because that's what everybody wants when they come see a lawyer. Mm -hmm. True. You know, it's like, I, I can't tell you how many times people say, well, how much will I get? I say, I have no idea. I have, you know, you sat here for an hour. You told me about all this. I don't know what your medical bills are. I don't know what the liability situation is. I don't have enough facts to talk to you about what you will get. And if what you will get is the absolute main thing on your mind and you want some big number, then you might want to check elsewhere because mm -hmm. I don't make guarantees like that. Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't think I trust a lawyer who who well, It's more law bill than it's anything now. Yeah. Um we used to didn't see television advertising. Or, or billboards. Or billboards. That that used to not be considered. Was it always legal? Is it, is yeah, it legal? It's, it's well, it's, it's, 
it wasn't always legal. Well, it was always legal. It wasn't always allowed under the code of, of conduct, a professional right responsibility. Uh, those rules changed uh, based on lawsuits that were brought that bas basically said that free speech was being restricted and the right to compete was being restricted. And there was mm -hmm. some truth in all that. But, yeah, I mean, frankly, it's kind of tame here. I spent time down in Florida a while back, and it was like every commercial. I mean, every commercial. Because it used to be just word of mouth. You know a good lawyer? Uh -huh. you, that was the form of advertising. Or who's your lawyer? But now it's it's like, come to me. I don't care what the hell happened to you. Uh, I got a lady that was involved in an accident at $800 million. Yeah. I, I ain't showing you a picture because she lost her eye, both arms, leg. And it's currently being contained in a plastic bag. <laughs> but come on down. I can do something good for you, too. Mm, this is terrible. And now they're putting it, uh, me, too. Yeah. And I'm like, you two, what? Yeah. yeah. So so would you, did were you more challenged or which did you prefer, being a defense attorney or a plaintiff's attorney? Um, well, I preferred being a plaintiff's attorney. I left being a defense attorney in order to be a plaintiff's attorney. And I certainly, for 30 years I was plaintiff's attorney and for 10 I was a defense attorney although I learned a lot as a defense attorney and I know that that side of the equation is an honorable side it just wasn't my personality mm -hmm. um, but uh, the first 10 years that I spent practicing as a defense attorney were I think absolutely vital to my ability to practice as a plaintiff's attorney that's interesting and I'd love to know why but we have to take another break and we come back and we will continue our conversation with um, Mayor Sly James, Mayor of the City of Kansas City, Missouri from 2011 to 2019. Wow. Those seem like very stable uh, years. Everything has changed uh, now. It's like we're living in a new world <laughs> or something uh, since that time. But anyway, we're going to talk to Sly James some more when we come back. Please stay tuned to 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Tune in on Saturdays at 5 p.m. for Changing Narratives, the program hosted by me, Brother Jay. Join me for interviews and discussions that will be informative and entertaining. While interviewing some of the unsung heroes from the African-American community, our goal is to bring balance to the current negative narratives that are being shared. Once again, every Saturday at 5 p.m., Changing Narratives with Brother Jay. Ninety point one FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio, Urban Connections is a program. I'm your host, Donna Wolf. Yes, I'm my co-host Karen E. Griffin is here in the studio, along with our guest, Sly James, former mayor of the city of Kansas City, Missouri. I'm <laughs> totally honored to um, 
have you here. Um, thank you so much because we're the little guys, you know, and yeah. uh, we kind of well, we got a hundred thousand watts. Signal. We may be yeah. little, but we have a mega we, mega, yeah. mega have phone. A, we have a mega mega phone. You're not here. little. You're boutique. Oh, I like that. We're boutique with a mega mega phone. Okay. And our audience loves us too. Yeah, they do. Um, so thank you for being here sure. uh, once again to do another one-on-one uh, with us so we can kind of, I don't know, get a feel of what's going on from your point of view. You had a, what about what about power? You had a lot mm. of power back then, didn't you, when you were mayor of the city of Kansas City? Mm, no? Really? <laughs> no. Power to do what? I don't know. <laughs> No, mayor no. seems to be a relatively powerful. Oh, you walked into the room, you brought attention. Well, you had the power to convene. You know, very few people would refuse your call. Okay, okay. you had the power to persuade. Uh, you had the power to think and bring people together to get things done. Mm-hmm. But in terms of saying I want this done and having oh, yeah, it done, well, that no, that don't work. Well, people uh, did listen to you, though. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. But you know, it was kind of like. And they respect you when you walk into the room. Yeah, most of the time. Um, <laughs> no, I wouldn't. <clears throat> um, I think if there was power, it was built by how we approach things. Mm-hmm. Okay, it was power of persuasion. It was the power of being able to communicate. It was the power of being able to sit down and listen to people and find out how to make something work that you want to work and mm-hmm. recognizing that you are not the expert here, you know, if people are saying this and that, then maybe you need to listen to this and that. Um, just really trying to figure out how to bring all the puzzle pieces together to get things done. Yeah. Sometimes the power was not being in that position, but being in some other position, having somebody else take the lead on something, but you were able to help move it along. It, I wouldn't call it power. You know, uh, power to me implies that you can. Control things that you can have something done because you want it done, and that's all that matters. Well, that's like dictatorship. It's still power. Okay. I mean, it depends on how you define power. Um, The office itself had very little. Oh, I had the power to appoint people to boards and commissions. Mm -hmm. That was a power. Okay. You can do those types of things, but I never really looked at it as power. I looked at it as okay, we want to get this done. How do we get it done? Who do we need to talk to? Okay. Who needs to be at the table? What is it going to cost? How are we going to pay for it? And so, who do we need to talk to to get and have around in order to get all this stuff done? Okay. That was what we did. We had the power of... I, I, we did have some power, and one of the powers that we had was the power of success. Once we were successful on one thing, we could leverage that to get people to think, well, they... They you said they that. were going to do that, and they got that done. Let's see what, okay, that's mm-hmm. that's a power. But you earn that by what you do. It doesn't come with the office. So talk about the state of democracy in the United States of America these days. How do you see it? How are we faring? What is, what is your perspective on American dis- democracy currently? Um, still there. Um, showing cracks and weaknesses and unstable at this point, okay? There's too many people that just don't get it. Uh, You know, 13% of the people vote and then complain and moan and groan about things that are happening. 
I had somebody call my office once complaining up a storm about something, and I said, just, you know, did you vote? And he said, no, I didn't vote. <laughs> okay, fine, I don't have anything to say to you. Bye. Yeah. All right. Uh, then you've got people who don't believe that uh, the systems that have worked fairly well are worth keeping. Uh, who believe that a demagogue should be able to say, I'm going to get rid of the Constitution, I'm going to use the press to go after my enemies, and believe all the conspiracies and all the other stuff that's out there, and don't seem to be upset that the things that we are doing are so far away from the things we used to do, like, why don't we facilitate Putin a little bit? Why don't we let people who obviously lie, steep, and chill still... Just let them do it. And then not only do it, but facilitate it, cover up for them, yep. and want to have them reelected. Yeah. You know, they talk about killing a general for treason because he spoke out against you. Yeah. Wanted to bring the military into the cities. Those types of things and those types of beliefs destabilize this democracy. Now, it happens to be, frankly, in my opinion, more of a Republican thing. I don't think the Republican Party functions anymore. I think it's a, think there's a group of Republicans, and then I think there's a group of MAGA people mm-hmm. uh, that seem to be overwhelming everything. Uh, everything is social issues that take us back 50 years. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not going to have any race issues discussed in school. We're not going to have any gender issues discussed. We're All these kids that are going to find out something, mm-hmm. you right. think this, by not discussing it in school, they're not going to find something out? There's an internet and there's all sorts of friends who will be happy to fill their heads with nonsense. Yes, absolutely. So the state of democracy is fragile and the sad thing is is that there's not enough people ready to stand up and say, no, no this stuff don't work. I'm not going to do that. So, what do you got going on? What should we, uh, or should we expect anything from you in the future? Nothing that I can think of at the moment. Uh, Not doing anything all that exciting. Working on the things that we do. And uh, I don't have anything public coming up. Uh, You know, I'm just trying to get the work that we have done, done well. And try and find other things that make a little bit of difference and do those. Well, thank you so much for um, being our guest here today. Happy um, to do it. Sly James. Um, Thanks for all you did for the city of uh, Kansas City. I personally feel you represented us uh, well and were a welcome relief after uh, Mark Funkhauser. Very stylish, too. (laughs) (laughs) Always stylish. Yeah, Yeah, he's always stylish. The bow ties were the bow ties. Yeah, when I wanted to go incognito, I just took it off. <laughs> <laughs> that was your signature piece. Pretty much. <laughs> All righty. Well, thanks for that example. Um, it was um, uh, debonair and oh, yeah. uh, professional, debonair. and we all appreciated it. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of us did anyway. Yes. And, thanks. Uh, thanks for representing us well. Hey, it was an honor to have the ability and the, uh, the honor of doing it. It was... Uh, it was a neat gig. Yeah. Yeah. So is, do you think, what is, is that your greatest accomplishment so far, or what do you think? Uh, professionally, in terms of a career move, yeah, in terms of individual accomplishments, those 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 are not, can't play them off against each other. They're special for different reasons. But in terms of career, yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah. That was it. I mean, it was pretty neat to be able to 
be the mayor of the city that you grew up in and love, right? Heaven, yes. When did, you, when did you know that you would be mayor or that you were prepared uh, to be mayor? Um, oh, wow. Not that long before I actually started running. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think I, I thought about it a long time ago and said, nah. And then I sat there during the four years before I ran watching what was going on and said, this obviously doesn't yeah. require brain surgery. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, if it did, we <laughs> missed out. <laughs> yeah, our patient died. <laughs> but no, so... So then it was like, you know, the rule around the house is you can complain, but if you complain, you either have to do something or shut up. All righty then. So I just, I wasn't going to shut up. I can't shut up. So I did something. Yeah. All, All right. right. Plus the things worked out perfectly in the family. My daughter was going away to college, didn't have to worry about any of the kids stealing any more time from them from school and yeah. their stuff. stuff. All right. Thank you so much. Yes. Pleasure. Good job. I mean, well, job well done. Thank you. Appreciate it. Sure. And come back anytime. Thank you very much. I will. <laughs> All right. All right. Everybody, please stay tuned. Coming up next, we got Brother Jay and Changing Narratives. Crystal blue persuasion. Yeah. 